Welcome to the Frog Logic Podcast. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, and have we got one that is just uh, so near and dear to my heart. Uh, this show right now is one that's been in the works for about a year. This show is um, um, very personal to me because the the man I'm bringing back on, who's a regular uh, on the show, I wouldn't can say regular, but he's been on before. Uh, he's one of my closest friends. He's a one-of-a-kind human being. Um, this week, we're bringing Mr. Lex McMahon back on. Now, the reason why we're bringing Lex McMahon on is because about a year ago, he came up with this uh, pretty insane idea that after being... Uh, a part of the fight, the MMA fight industry, you know, he's the chief operating officer for Titan FC, one of the largest uh, UFC feeder systems out there, uh, immense presence on UFC fight, prat, fight uh, pass, but also uh, he was a manager with Alchemist Fighting, I think it was, uh, where he managed something like 40 plus fighters, Brennan Schaub, uh, Wonderboy, Stefan Struve, um, you know, he's, he's, helped so many fighters in the industry uh, navigate um, uh, their contracts, how to be represented properly, uh, fighting for them, fighting for the fighters who fight for us. Well, guess what? Uh, Lex decided that he uh, needed to put his money where his mouth was. Now, uh, I've had experience with this several times in my life where I just felt like, man, I needed to uh, uh, get back in the game, if you will, uh, and, and needed to go beyond just, uh, teaching, uh, and get back in it and, and ended up doing that at one time, uh, when I was working for the agency, I was training guys for a while and women for a while, and then, uh, needed to get back in the game. So I ended up starting to deploy. So I understand the urge, the necessity, the desire, but this is a whole different level, man. Uh, I had been trained in the past as a, as a professional operator, I uh, was in the SEAL teams for a long time, worked for Blackwater, had multiple deployments overseas. And so, you know, it wasn't a, a profound jump. Well, guess what? Lex McMahon decided because he, uh, he's been, he's such a part, the fight game, such a part of his life, he wanted to get in the ring himself. That's right. You heard what I said. At 49 years old, Lex McMahon, the week before Thanksgiving, uh, competed in his uh, professional fight debut down in the Dominican Republic against Justin Thornton, uh, a performer, a professional fighter with over 20 fights uh, with legitimate contenders in the past. But Lex decided that he needed to do this. He had to understand uh, what it meant. But the deeper reason, and there always is a deeper reason with Lex McMahon, he's that kind of human being. Uh, a guy willing to allow fighters to live with him for years at a time, allowing, uh, giving the uh, last dollar he has to fighters who are uh, broke, uh, uh, doing anything he can to help fighters without charging them, without without uh, burying them in financial debt or burden as an agent, um, giving people a crack at their dreams uh, with Titan FC and, and his, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, relationship with American Top Team and all the other huge fighting organizations down here in South Florida. But that this man, he decided that he was going to do this fight, not only for himself, but in order to raise money 
for veteran suicide, to help prevent veteran suicide through the charity that he's worked extensively for long term, A Hero. Uh, and that's a great organization you should absolutely go check out. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is ahero.com, uh, but let me just look it up. So, you know, Lex is a guy that has been, um, it's aherousa.org, right? Aherousa.org, and that's the organization that Lex was uh, raising money uh, to help prevent veteran suicide. Um, so that's the kind of guy Lex is. And you guys, if, you lift, if you're coming back, uh, thank you so much. We're so uh, privileged and I'm so honored that you continue to think that this show is a benefit to you in any way, shape, or form. And I just really appreciate your support and loyalty in particular uh, in this uh, time. Um, so if you can, I'd love it if you could uh, press subscribe to wherever you're hearing this and then also leave a comment. Uh, I guess comments are the way the algorithms push you up. Um, but if you don't, that's okay too. Uh, I just, I'm happy to do the show. I enjoy it. This is my mission in life. Um, but Lex, uh, again, uh, was able to meet a few times with him in the lead up to this, just to see where his head was at mentally from a mental performance perspective. And I got to tell you, uh, this is a guy who is not a professional fighter, but certainly in a, in a relatively short period of time has uh, upped and improved his skill sets to the point where uh, it was remarkable training with some of the best fighters around in the game and um, preparing for this incredible uh, debut. Now, think about it. And any other things, when you try these kind of wild things in your older age, uh, the repercussions are, are minimal. Uh, sometimes if you're going crazy, like you're climbing Mount Everest or something like that, yeah, you're, 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 you're putting it all on the line. But think about this. Lex McMahon, at, at 49 years old, who's had surgery on one of his eyes, uh, has two children. Right? Well, I probably shouldn't say that, but uh, has two children. He talks about it regularly. Um, and decides that he's going to get in the ring. Now, that's profound. Uh, but then to get in the ring to help save lives of his, uh, not only his Marine Corps brethren, uh, but all operators and, and people that have served in this country that are struggling, and, and the number is massive. Uh, and it continues to get worse because of, of COVID and the economic struggles out there. Uh, veterans all across the country are struggling more than ever than they have right now. So uh, I just, uh, you're going to love this interview. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you want to know uh, more or want to support us more, please go to our website at teamfroglogic.com. Sign up for our newsletter where we have special offers uh, for all different kinds of things. Uh, if you're looking to buy some great gifts for the holiday, check out my uh, Forging Self-Confidence book, uh, motivational kind of uh, inspirational book there. Uh, you can check out my kids' books, Doc Frog's PT book, Doc Frog's anti-bully book, great Christmas gifts. We've got sweatshirts, hats, T-shirts, all kinds of things with uh, the very one-of-a-kind, unique Frog Logic logo, the frog and brain there. Um, you can also, if uh, if your if your company or organization is struggling and needs a little pep, uh, don't be shy. Reach out. Let us know. I do online uh, motivational speeches right now for sure. Um, uh, you know, or, uh, private coaching. So if you're interested in some private coaching and, you know, give us a shout, contact us at, at, on the website, or if you want to just take part in our brand new, uh, online motivational training company, uh, the frog logic Institute, you can visit that website at the frog logic Institute.com. 
Uh, we've got one course. We've run two of them already this year. Uh, Embrace Fear Training Course, where I introduce you to five missions, how to teach you how to uh, not only identify, but come to grips with the fear that exists in your life, but then how to uh, rewire your neural pathways in order to deal with your fear and then to live courageously with your fear in your life. We've got incredible feedback. Uh, you can see some of that feedback on the site or, or read about it. Um, it's just been an amazing thing. We're in the, currently working on the Forging Self-Confidence uh, curriculum. We hope to have that out by the end of January. We're also working on operator syndrome curriculum. Uh, we're going to have that out by February for operators and healthcare providers to be able to go and understand uh, the uh, profound nature of operator syndrome, all the variables uh, that involve from post-traumatic stress, TBI, uh, endocrine issues, sleep apnea, uh, relationship issues, the stigmatism of leaving the teams, not being able to help, the guilt, the shame, and so on and so on and so on about the things that operators face after an extensive career going to war for all of you. So uh, take, stay tuned and be on the lookout for that. We're going to continue to build courses out in that um, uh, for not only adults, but eventually kids as well, too. So check us out at teamfroglogic.com. Check out the online training at thefroglogicinstitute.com. Um, you can follow me on Parlor at Team Frog Logic. I've um, pretty much stopped being on Facebook and Instagram since they uh, shut me down. Uh, no longer on Twitter. Stopped that a long time ago. Uh, but Parlor, and then uh, uh, you can find me on YouTube. And I'm also signed up on Rumble. I haven't posted the air yet, but I'm planning on that over the holidays to get all my videos up on Rumble. Um, and you can find me there. Um, but really, the place you want to go is to the uh, the um, the website, as well as um, um, uh, the newsletter. Get on the newsletter and you'll be able to find out everything that's going on from all the new shows I release, uh, which is, by the way, the Frog Logic Podcast. You can find us on, everywhere out there on all platforms. Uh, and we're going to start reposting them all on the website as well, too. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's get it on. I think I butchered that. This is the Frog Logic Podcast, episode 58, with Lex McMahon. The Great White Buffalo. The Great White Buffalo. It's so much better when you say it. The Great White Buffalo. The only thing I feel is I feel like it should be like Kevin Costner. I should be like Kevin Costner in like an Indian loincloth, like long flowing hair and a feather in my hair, like dances with wolves when you say that. That got me kind of aroused, you talking like I'm that. I'm in buddy. better shape these days. <laughs> <laughs> you do look good. All right. We're rolling. We're rolling. All right. All right. Easy day. Um, brother, wait a minute. Let me just, in case I want to edit that out, which I'm not going to. No, it you, was can't, so you can't awesome. give it to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Just in case. Uh, dude, first off, um, let me go through what I have to say to you. Um, I have... In the spectrum of friendships that I've had in my life, and I have a lot of friends, right? My girls always kind of bust my chops and you have so many best friends, right? <laughs> um, which is true because so many people uh, mean so much to me. Um, you are definitely at the top of that group. And, and it's for many, many reasons, but mostly it's because of the size of your heart. Um, you possess a conviction of love and determination and commitment 
unlike just about anybody I've ever seen in my life. Thanks, buddy. And to be able to be, again, have you back on, which is just one of the greatest things about doing this show. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. But in this context, uh, to be able to look at you across this table uh, and say congratulations (laughs) on your one... (laughs) One and only. (laughs) Which possibly, I'm not sure that I'm too convinced it's going to be your only one because I think you got a taste for it now. But you, you did what you set out to do. Um, but you also won. And I just want to say congratulations. I'm proud of you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And trust me, you're, you're at the top of the friends list too. <laughs> I appreciate that, <laughs> man. Let, let's get into this. Now, yeah, for, for, for the, the madness. Pe- yeah, for the, the people that don't know, um, geez, when did you tell me? You told me in... About a year ago. About right? a year ago is yeah. when you finally broke down. You're like, hey, I'm going to fight. And I was like, oh yeah, that's great. Ha ha ha. In the back of yeah, your yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. you're thinking about that training session you had where we had where you kicked the shit out of me because I couldn't, I could barely breathe. <laughs> where you, where you couldn't run, you couldn't move. Uh, we did like two rounds, and I. Those, I, by the way, those were some of the longest rounds we, I've ever done. <laughs> Bad idea to try to fight somebody when you're really out of shape. <laughs> awesome, uh, but I remember like it didn't register with me. It didn't initially set in like, wow, he's serious about this. And I think mostly because, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think looking at my being reflective on my own statements of wanting to uh, do uh, these types of crazy things. Yeah. Like I want to run the Leadville 100. I I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to swim around Key West and. You know, all these things and, and you know, obviously you know, there's a lot of sharks there, bro. There's a lot of sharks. Yeah, sharky water. Sh- sharky, sharky water. Uh, but I've got the shark band and the shark bands work great, by oh, the way. Okay, yeah, great. Good, to know. good plug. Hey, if yeah. you're scared about sharks, go check out shark bands uh, with a Z on the end. Great company. Incredible product. Um, Figures that a frog band would be shilling yeah. for a company called Shark Bands. <laughs> I, I'm not even sponsored by them. I just really love them. You know it's good. Yeah, yeah, you that, know it's it, good. It, it just, you can't beat the data on it. Um. But, you know, to look back and say, wow, like, there's a lot going on in our lives uh, with kids, uh, with relationships, with, with um, uh, the fact that you're running a business uh, and a business that, uh, um, you know, w- was trucking and then all of a sudden COVID hits and now everything was kind of thrown up in the air for the sports industry, most especially. Sure. And I tell the story all the time, you know, I was literally... I had just given a speech to uh, the Minnesota Twins minor league team, all the minor league players, and I was getting ready to go work with the major league team, and I came out, and Mike Bell, the bench coach, goes, hey, Rut, man, uh, Major League Baseball just canceled. Not just canceled that's, for the month. Yeah, that, that's a surreal statement to hear if you think about it. it it's never happened, even yeah. during World War II, right? I mean, I think there was a pause momentarily, but, yeah. but you know, nothing like this. Like, we're shutting it all down now. Thankfully, it came back. And I, and, and, you know, obviously my industry took a hit, but your industry was sports shut down. Like you're saying, I mean, sports was actually one of the first things to respond because live sporting events, you know, you've got all these people crammed together in really close proximity. Yeah. So that they were the first ones to say, wait a minute, we've got to really take a look at this and put things on pause until we can, you know, understand what's really happening and how to get back to work safely. So let me ask you this, as, as you had mentally been building up for this and you knew it was happening, 
how, you know, when did you really kind of set in motion um, the actual logistics required for you to fight? When did that begin and how? I started training in earnest, you know, where I had a fight in mind about a year ago. And I then had to convince the UFC that it was a worthwhile endeavor, that it wasn't, you know, some kind of, it wasn't some sort of, you know, circus show, that it was going to be a real fight, that I was going to go out and, and fight my heart out and, you know, hopefully deliver, you know, the right performance. And Did Dana, was the first conversation with Dana, what was that like? Was he like, you're out of your mind or what, what happened with that? Well, Dana is a man who's not afraid to use expletives. <laughs> so he likes colorful language, kind of like me. You know, I think it's just something, it's a function of kind of the sport we're in. But yep. uh, he, he said I was fucking grazing. <laughs> and you know what? He said he loved it. So I had that going for me, you know. Which is it, always good. It, right? it helps when the boss says, you know what? I support it, you know. <laughs> but, you know, to get back to the question, it I started the training in earnest about a year ago convinced the UFC that I wanted to do this and it would be worthwhile to do and that they should support it. And once I got them involved and where they committed to it, mm -hmm. at that point, you know, we were about six months out. And I was originally going to fight in August. But the reality of how COVID had changed, one of my, my coaches, Jay-Z Calvin Conte, he contracted COVID and it was early on. So he was like down and out for like a month. Wow. Um, Roger Kroll, who's one of my other main coaches, his gym shut down. And so he's just trying to figure out how to survive because he lost his main form of livelihood, you know? So my training, fortunately, I have one of the fighters living at my house and, and he became kind of the stabilizing factor for me. And we just trained and trained and trained. And I realized that August was going to be tough to do, but I could probably make it happen in November. So I convinced my partners over the Dominican Republic that it was a good thing for them. They agreed, and we set a date, and then just started working towards it. And I, I decided I wanted to do a camp, and because if I was going to do this one time, which I truly, I promise, I'm only going to do it one time. <laughs> I've got other things that I want to do that are, you know, associated in some capacity, um, but I am only going to fight once. I, I made that promise to myself. So if I was going to do it one time, it had to be an epic experience, and not just an epic experience for me, but for everybody involved. So I, I put on this fight camp that was, it was like a throwback to Muhammad Ali, Rocky. <laughs> the footage is incredible. Like yeah. Just, you know, we went to Alabama, rural Alabama at, at the Old Town Creek Farm, 2,000 acre farm, beautiful, like some of the best deer hunting property you can imagine. So there's deer everywhere, this beautiful lake, you know, great house and lodge. I mean, they just, they took amazing care of us, but I had people donate boxing rings heavy bags, wow. you know, all the equipment we needed. And we were thinking, we're going to actually keep the, all that stuff up there. And a hero, the, the uh, nonprofit that I did this in support of, we're in the process of building a lodge. And in that lodge, it could be a training center. And one of the ways we're going to use to create revenue for the nonprofit is we're going to bring uh, fighters and fight teams up to do camps. We'll do seminars. We'll do it, it, And people love the idea of what we did. So I already have all the stuff there, the infrastructure there. Why not use that as a way to kind of, you know, continue to raise money? I, I love it. No, you know, we've all, 
every time you come on, you always talk about a hero and, and I think to get to the why, the motive of, of mm. why you originally wanted to, but, but before we talk about a hero and, and the integral part and the intimate part they played in your decision-making process, what was it about you as a man, as a fight promoter, as somebody, as a Marine, as a human being that would make you want to get in the ring with another professional fighter, a person who does this professional. A guy who had 23 fights before we fought. 23 fights. What made you want to do this at at its core? So, you know, there were several things, right? And I think first and foremost, I've been in this sport for now 13 years. Wow. uh, At really the highest level. And I, you know, I do a lot of interviews. And one of the interviews I, I, done, I had done a couple of years ago is when it first started. Lex, tell us about your time in MMA. Oh, I've done everything you can do except fight. Didn't really, you know, connect the dots at, at that point. But I kept getting that question and I kept giving that same answer. And finally, one day I was like, man, it feels a bit disingenuous to make money and profit from asking other people to go in and fight and I had never done it professionally. So I was like, man, you know, I hold myself out as somebody who, who leads from the front, you know, something we learned in the military, mm-hmm. right? Leadership from the front. Well, if you're going to act like you're that person, you sure as hell better be that person. So I decided I was going to do it, but it really became more on the personal side. We're warriors, right? And that, I believe that you're born with that genetic coding, and then environmentally it's enhanced. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, we soften over time when we're not in. <laughs> yeah, man. We're not preparing to go to war, or we're not at war, right? We soften just by function because you know it's it's a hard business the to path be path of least resistance. That's right. Yep. And, and and the problem with that is you stagnate. You don't grow as an individual because you only only really grow when you're an extremist. When you're on the outer edges of your capability, that's the only time you really grow. And I realized that for me, the great benefit is going to be that at 49 years of age, I'm going to take myself to a place where truly I had never been before. And I'd been close, you know, I think in, in, in some regards as, as we went through, you know, the military training and then actually going downrange. And, but this is a different animal, man. Completely. Like, a totally, totally different animal. And Well, and just it, like we were talking before, that was 19. Yeah. That was 19 coming out of uh, Beverly Hills High, you know, out of football and needing to find yourself through the Marine Corps. You know, many would argue that, man, if you haven't found yourself by 49, what what are you doing? And then also the uh, the follow up is, why would you want to jeopardize the safe your own safety and potentially risk, uh, you know, uh, your children not having a father? Because, you know, although the guy is, you know, not fighting in the UFC, he still has 20 fights and he still knows how to throw a perfect punch. And if that punch connects you with you in the wrong way, you could die. So all things you, you thought about, I'm sure. Sure. You know, the first part of, you know, finding yourself, I think I have a great sense of who I am as a person, but that doesn't mean, because again, if you go back to the fact that you don't grow unless you're 
on the outer edges, right? When you're really pushing yourself, we always need to continue to grow, to evolve as a person, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like, what's the point, you know? So I, I realized I hadn't pushed myself in this type of way like really profoundly pushed myself to the point where I would break. That's why I named my my fight camp Breaking Lex. Yeah. You know, I thought back to that those kind of seminal moments in the military and where we get broken down to our the absolutely base level, yeah. right? That, and, and then built back up. Like you said the crucible where you go through and I actually named one of the episodes the crucible. Yeah. Um where it's the hardest thing you can do and you 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 think you're about to quit. And then you find out what you're made of, that you can go further as long as you allow yourself to access that that inner strength that, that we all have. And, you know, so I realized I hadn't done it in a long time, that it would be really healthy and beneficial for me to do it at 49. Um, and I'm going to continue to do it in different ways. I, I think it's healthy, man. You know, I kind of alluded to I'm not going to fight again. But you know what? I'm going to do some jiu-jitsu tournaments. That's I'm cool. going to do because I found... You hate jiu-jitsu. I hate jiu-jitsu. <laughs> but guess what? Jiu-jitsu was there for me when I needed it. <laughs> Brother, I was just going to say that. We'll get to how you the, the beauty of the fight yeah. itself and how you won through a, a, one of the most beautiful rear naked chokes I ever saw. You stuck with it. You seated it. And then you put him completely out. He didn't yeah. even have time. He didn't realize... How fast the great white buffalo is going to put that pressure? Those the giant way, arms. Somebody <laughs> said, "Wow, you look, really looked fast." And I'm thinking that's an adjective that has not been used about me in a very Ever. long time. <laughs> At maybe high school. Okay, no, no, the Marines when I was yeah. like 170 pounds. Yeah. So, all right, you, you, and and listen, as a, as a, as you and I discuss constantly about that state of extremis, that state of existential. Uh, that existential moment when you are like, who am I? And do I have what it takes to move through this particular moment? Now, you know, I would say that so many people um, experience that, like, look at what we're going through right now with COVID. How many people have lost their businesses or lost their jobs? How many people are struggling significantly with their own mental health issues, right? You know, how many people have committed suicide? Hell, as you know, my friend, you know, David, Dave Hall committed suicide a few, about a month and a half ago during this process. And, and for me, what had so much substantial meaning was that in in typical Lex fashion, um, this wasn't about you per se. It was, and it wasn't, you took this incredible experience and, and maneuvered it into a position where you know, uh, you are going to have a hero be a part of this in order to bring awareness to, you know, the, the just, um, outlandish reality of, of, of what veterans are facing right now in their lives. So can you talk a little bit about a hero and, and why that was so critical to involve this? Yeah, sure. You know, it's a nice story that a 49 year old guy goes out and fights. Okay. But it's a very self-centered story. Interesting. And it's one that, frankly, would not have had any real legs associated to it. It would have gotten a nice little pop, and, and that would have been it. And that was never what I wanted. I always wanted, I you know, by virtue of what I do professionally, I've been able to build a very good personal brand. 
and, and some really strong relationships and I, I control by virtue uh, of my my Your character and who they, you are well, yeah. for sure but i control a large platform that's true where via my partnership with ufc you know we go out to over 150 countries when we put a message out and to hundreds of thousands if not millions of people via social media so i would have missed the boat entirely had i not made this about something other than myself and the only thing that made sense to me was to to do it in support of you know veterans you know it's it's we all have things i think we all want to do something for our fellow man but it has to resonate with us right and what has always resonated with me is supporting veterans mm -hmm. and you know i've served on the board of a hero since its inception you know so now like 11 years wow We've helped over 9,000 veterans have come through. Literally had hundreds of people tell me they were going to take their life. Wow. And that coming to one of our programming events saved their life. And the network of people that they got involved with saved their life. So it's powerful. And, and I just wanted to continue to empower a hero to perform its mission of preventing veteran suicide. And I knew I could bring so much awareness. I mean, let's, let's look at it, right? So... In the aggregate, the, the videos that we put out, the Breaking Lex videos, the views themselves on the videos were in the hundreds of thousands combined. But then they were shown, as I was mentioning to you, on the Extra Rounds podcast that, that follows UFC events after, you know, the big pay-per-views mm -hmm. and, you know, all that. And they have between a half million and a million viewers typically every, every um, episode. They showed my videos in the episode, I then talked about it. Brought myself, brought Stephen Wonderboy wow. Thompson on. You know, fought for the title twice. Charles mm -hmm. Rosa, who's very popular in the UFC, and they were both a part of my camp. So we've got a ton of awareness. But then we had um, Congressman Brian Mass from from here in South Florida. Yeah. You know, he, he's a Ranger uh, vet, double amputee, but has gone on to you know accomplish some great things. He put out a video message in support of, of what I was doing. Shannon Lee, who's the, the chairman of the board for the Bruce Lee Foundation and the daughter of Bruce Lee, she put out a great message about it. And so we raised so much awareness. We touched so many people, not to mention all the media that I've done. Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't have happened. Without that message. Without me saying, it's not about a 49-year-old guy. It's about how do we save lives? How do we raise awareness? How do we, you know support an organization that's out there making a difference. And, and so for me, that was always the focus. So know? is the message you're trying to tell to that, that veteran who's struggling, uh, go put on a pair of, of gloves and get into a cage and, and, and get into a fight? Or are you saying, Hey, you know, the struggle is real, but if you can put yourself back into, uh, almost a, a state of reminiscence um, that, hey, when was the time that I advanced most in my life? And for many times struggling veterans, it's when they were in the military sure. in their initial training phases and the development of that mindset, you know, hey, go f seek something out like that. Go seek your own crucible out so you can be broken down again to realize the genuine nature of what you've been compartmentalizing which has yeah. caused all these problems. You know, right, to be honest, I hadn't thought about it in that way. Wow. Um, and I, you know, again, it was a very subjective experience that I was pushing out for other people 
But the reality is that message is spot on. Like that's exactly what I, I would love for, you know, a veteran who's out there trying to figure his way out, you know, right now and say, okay, again, fighting is not the, it, it's, that's not, that was my crucible. That was my experience, right? Because it's such a massive part of my life. Yeah. And, but we all have things that we can do, right? And that's why I said, I'm not going to fight again. There are going to be other adventures that I go on that will challenge me and, and, and take me to a, a, you know, the next boundary, the next place that's uncomfortable so that I can grow again. I, I just, I mean, you, you talk about it with such clarity that I think even, and it's so genuinely uh, affiliated with our mindset, as you mm -hmm. said before, that warrior mindset. I would love to see, like, and you talked about a hero has, has all the equipment. It's at the thing now, and you're going to teach seminars. I would love to see, you know, an A Hero Fight Club, right? Right, where you know you can get a veteran that shows up. They spend, you know, three weeks training, and then they do one little fight. You know, three, three, two minute round yeah, fights. Smoker. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. a smoker yeah. to get that sensation, that reality. Because you know, to go back to the training and you know just watching you and watching your evolution going from where you were when you started before you started last year to shedding the weight, you know, getting your actual fight skills up to speed was that must've been so cathartic for you. It was. Yeah. So can it, you it talk about was. that process and how it benefited you? So by design, I wanted my training and my fight camp in particular to be really hard. Um, I knew it needed to be. I knew I, I needed to put myself around. And I have access to some of the best fighters and coaches in the world because of what I do professionally. Like, literally, like, guys who fought for the UFC title twice, Wonderboy. Like, he was at my camp, you know. And, and so I, I surrounded myself with greatness and, and, and told myself if I could weather the storm, if I could survive rounds with all of these men and, and also learn from them that when it came time to go do battle, I'd be more than ready. And the opponent, my opponent, didn't matter who he was, he wouldn't be able to do to me what those men had done to me. So there was nothing that was a surprise come fight night. And so I think that that would be the takeaway for people is challenge yourself in a way that you know going into it is going to be profoundly difficult. I, I had no illusions because some of these fighters, I've either, well, all these fighters, I either managed them or I um, promoted them, right? And sometimes both. Right. So I knew what they were capable of. I knew their skill set. I knew they were some of the absolute best fighters in the world. And I knew that I was going to have to look at I mean, I'll tell you, one of the craziest things is we did the Shark Tank rounds that first heavy sparring day when we got up to Alabama. And for those who don't know Shark Tank... It's not so fun. <laughs> it ain't so fun. It's a fresh body. <laughs> a fresh body every round. But yeah. you're not fresh. You're you're being degraded, right? You know, you you're your freshest at the beginning of the first yes. round. And by the time the end of the fifth round comes along, you're dog ass tired. Smoked. Smoked. And so by design, again, like, you know, this is I was the architect of my camp. So I sat with my coaches and I told them what I wanted. And I said, I want the toughest challenge to be in the fifth round. And I look across the, the ring and I'm like propped up on, yeah, the, yeah. on the ropes, <laughs> just 
barely holding on. Yeah. And I look across, and there's Muhammad Usman. He's 265 pounds, jacked, incredibly athletic, played college football, is a 7-1 uh, fighter. His brother is Kamara Usman, the UFC welterweight champion. Kamara, or, uh, Muhammad fought for me four or five times now. Right. He's a beast. Absolutely. I looked over, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, in the back of my mind, right? I'm like, oh, you know, he's going to push me. He's, gonna... he's in a crouch, and he's rocking back and forth. Like he wants to beat And you. I could see in his <laughs> eyes there was not a distinction between me and any other opponent he had. Yeah. He hit me harder than I've ever been hit. What did that feel like? Split me open right here. Yeah. Oh, it felt like I got hit with a cement block. Yeah. Like, it, it, he came in, boom, first shot. I was like, oh. Oh Ow. God, this is, Ow. this is going to suck. And it did. It was horrible. <laughs> but I knew that if I could weather his storm, you weathered all. I could, I could handle everything. Right. And, and you know, it played out to be the case. Well, that, that, that in my mind from a performance perspective and, and you know, is really an essential part of the storyline, right. Of your own narrative is, is reaching those moments of, Oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can do more. Oh, this is okay. Oh, but right? by the way, right before each of those those moments, there's a moment of oh shit, I I I could quit. Yes, I mean if I'm honest right now, I hit that moment a bunch of times. Yeah, and I just wouldn't allow myself to. I refused to allow myself to quit. I desperately wanted to on multiple occasions. How could you not? And. I mean, listen, man, when you're 49 years old and you're getting your ass kicked by a 20-something-year-old elite-level athlete, yeah. it's not fun. It's, it's, it's not fun, and it hurts. It hurts bad. It hurts to the point where at the end of, of training, every day, I was going in and having someone, and it sounds kind of kinky, but like rubbing dead alligator meat all over me, frozen dead alligator meat, because it was the only ice we had in the camp. I don't even know what to say about frozen dead alligator meat. Now, Rocky Balboa, which is fiction, by the way, uh, has obviously sparked some great uh, new traditions. Mm -hmm. And frozen dead alligator meat is going to be the new uh, post-recovery rubdown. I'll tell you, any redneck fighter is going to use it. I guarantee you that much. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So... You know, the, the, these moments that, you know, keep propelling you forward, I think that's kind of the key. How, what, what role when you came back from camp, because I know we went to um, breakfast a few mm-hmm. times, and, you know, for me the biggest thing was, you know, making sure that you were able to really compartmentalize all the different variances of the experience and to keep them – you know, almost aggregated in a way where they didn't kind of fuse together and overwhelm you in 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 an emotional state. And and every time we'd go to breakfast, you were more clear and more clear and more clear. So by that measure, by the time you're in the two weeks prior to leaving for fight, what was left in your mind to work through? I've always said the toughest thing a human being can do is be honest with himself, fully Amen. honest with himself. So I had to have those final conversations with myself and say, okay, what are you afraid of? What's the worst that's going to happen here? That's pretty tough when you, when your answer is I could be killed. 
Yeah, but I never, I mean, that certainly was a, a, a possibility, right? I think more of a possibility is I could have lost my vision, right? That was something that in the back of my mind was very possible given, you know, my, right. Right, because it, and the reality is, listen, we did the fight in the Dominican Republic for a reason. Right. We didn't do it here in the United States because <laughs> I had some issues I had to circumnavigate, right. you know, and so that was a real thing, especially when I took that. The one thing that did flash before my mind was when I took that first big shot to the left to the left side of my head, which is where kind of I have, mm -hmm. you know, that's the side where I had surgery. Right. Um, I was like, oh. Am I going to be okay? And then, you know, I had the blood coming down in my eyes. And I was like, oh, for a second, I was like, holy shit. Well, you don't have time to worry about it now. No. We'll sort through that later. <laughs> you know? But I, so those final couple of weeks, though, I had to say, okay, what's what am I connected to emotionally? And how and how do I... Mike Ricci, who, who's a UFC fighter that I managed for a long time, and, and, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. He actually had come out and spent some time with me and he says Lex the one thing I can tell you is you must be uncivilized you cannot be a gentleman when you go fight there's no such thing there's no such thing and, and you know you and I know that to be the case mm -hmm. right um, not that we can't have our actions are are guided by social mores to a certain degree up to the, the but the there's a certain door and then outside the cave, yeah. or post-fight, right. I mean, the graciousness, but, you know. But the battle itself it's is completely uncivilized, 100%. So I, I took what Mike had told me, and I thought about it a lot. And one of the things I realized was, and you know this, and I think we even talked about it, is when I made the decision to fight, for some odd reason, I picked my, my walkout song. Almost the same time that I made the decision to fight. So for a year, I would play this song, which is Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. It really resonates with me, right? And it would just get me into the mindset of, okay, I'm, you know, so this is what I'm trying. I'm in my garage breaking down crying because I had attached so much emotion <laughs> to that song. To that song. Yeah. And so one of the oh, things God. that I did was during those final couple of weeks, I realized I couldn't be connected to that song anymore. Right. That I couldn't carry that emotion in. I had to be totally unfettered and, and at peace. So I shit canned the song and, and I chose something that had a similar vibe, which was um, Country Boy by Aaron Lewis, right? Mm -hmm. I then made a decision to go with. Bulls on Parade by by Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> and I had this badass walkout video that a friend of mine had put together. I get to my walkout and I take the step out and I hear the music cue, and it's Country Boy by Aaron Lewis, <laughs> and I just laughed and I said, "Man, there's again like when I'm bleeding down my face and I can't really see. Doesn't matter. Like, there's nothing I can do about that no. right now. So I can't I can't expend any energy on yeah. it. I just gotta go be present." But the good thing about that song was I didn't have an emotional connection to it. You know, it was I was trying to find the right thing that I I mean, I almost like walked out to some trance music because I just didn't care. Anymore, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, it wasn't relevant to me. Um, and nor is it relevant on that walk to no, the cage where you're no. getting in the fight. Now, I and, and I, you know, as a as a as you know, as an artist, I, I, I invest a tremendous amount on those types of 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 emotional triggers. Right. Mm -hmm. Those types of things that we can correlate in our lives that that 
that allow us to be intimate with ourselves and our emotions, right? And, and I think they're they're profoundly important. But there's in also the right a, time. there's a time and a place for them, yes. right? And yeah. and for me in particular, I I you know that honesty led me to understanding that man, I, I I've got so much shit that goes on in my life personally, right? And so much pressure that I put on myself. I didn't need extra pressure. Well, it's funny know? when I was my first combat deployment, uh, you know, I obviously music is big for me as well mm -hmm. too. And, and, you know, I'm like, I tried to figure out what was the best for me. And for me, it was Jane's Jane says by Jane's addiction, right. just totally chill, totally relaxed. So, you know, when it was like, all right, let's go. I, you know, I just, I was in that, that almost, uh, um, meditative state right. moving into it. And what was interesting was I never, never realized just how profound that walk is and then stepping in until, you know, you gave me the opportunity to work with Stefan yeah. and, and then again, working with, with Andre and I, you know, Andre used to get to the point where, where he'd cross the threshold to walk out and he'd start just smacking himself. And it was almost as if everything else just disappeared in the world. And that was his, you know, hey, get ready. You're, it's coming at you yeah, and get this into is, that. This is the reality. This is the reality. Yeah. And so can you talk about the walk yeah. and then stepping into the cage? So I anticipated that I would be really nervous because I would have all this pressure on me, you know. And mind you, from a business for perspective. List, for the listeners, he's also running a fight in, in down in the Dominican as well, too. Oh, you yeah. had a full card that was happening the next day. The next day. And okay. so, like, I'm trying to train. And actually, it was a huge blessing, to be honest, because what it did is it kept my mind from being idle. You know, I had to go meet with the minister of sport, the minister of tourism. I had to go meet and do production meetings. I had, you know, all the... So I was super busy. I, I just had to... I had to balance out getting too tired, you know, and, and, and allowing other people to step up and help in certain areas. And, and, you know, my team was awesome. My partner over there was awesome. They, they did a lot of the dirty work for me, but I still had a lot of responsibility. And, but that kept me from, from thinking on things too much. But I was really calm and at peace come fight day. And I expected it to be different than that. I expected a lot of anxiety because I've been with so many fighters You've seen it all. I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen some of the greatest fighters in the world backstage throwing up before they go fight. George St. Pierre. I, I witnessed him throwing up. Wow. You know, Stefan, I've seen him throw up before a yeah. fight. You know what I mean? So I expected I was going to be that way because I was bringing in so much luggage. You know, like, oh, my God, what are people going to think about me if I, like, perform horribly or if I lose? or Like, I had all this stuff, right? And then just my emotions and my personal issues in life and... Just so many things. And, and I think because I prepared so well that I knew I was going to be okay. Hmm. I truly never thought I was going to lose the fight at any point. Never once. Not once. Never once. I, You're I, like, I, I just want to get in there and not be a fool. I just... There's no way I don't I need to win. You never told yourself that. I, I, I told myself that it did. The journey is what mattered. And I did believe this. Like, but in your heart, you wanted to fucking win. Well, of course, of course. But I also like, I didn't, I, I wasn't burdened by that. Okay. I, I, and I thought I would be, but I really wasn't. But I also, there came a point where I was so supremely confident in the amount of work that I had done that 
I just didn't envision myself losing. Didn't see it. Didn't offer. Didn't go. How much? Uh, um, how much work did you do in terms of visualization? Because we talked about it. Yeah. Your walkouts, all that stuff. A lot. I mean, yeah. it was a big part of camp. You know, for me, it was once. You know, we got to camp, and I did that. Last, you know, like a full ten week, ten and a half week stretch. I didn't want anything to be new, come fight night, and the only things that were new were actually some some emotion. Um, Interesting. What were those? So we're going back to walking you through the the walk. Oh yeah, that. I'm you know, sorry. because that that, that gets yeah. us there. Yeah, yeah. So I remember being really calm and at peace backstage, and as we were warming up, and you know, we I told you know the call time was the fight started at two, so I think call time was noon. And I told my team, I said, "Man, we're not going at noon. We're we're gonna go at three. And they looked at me. I said, look, man, I know the pacing of a show. No matter how fast it goes, we're going to have plenty of time. And they agreed, you know, uh, you know, and we got there. And as soon as we got there, man, it was, okay, let's, let's get changed. Let's stretch. Let's get wrapped up. Let's warm up. Oh, shit, let's go fight. Right away. That's the pacing wow, that it was. that's cool. And for me, that's that was much better than sitting in a hot, you know, arena waiting and waiting and oh. waiting. I think that there was already, we were the seventh fight and there was already, by the time we arrived, they were on the third fight. That's cool. So then it was just a matter of, you know, just getting ready to go. Who were the people that were there with you and who was in the, who was in your, your, your so, I mean, I I had a a big entourage that came, that came to support me. Everybody from our, you know, our, our intern McLovin to, you know, guys that helped me, you know, um, put the whole thing together. Um, the guys that were acting as my managers, game time management, but my my coaches were Jay Z, Calvin Conte, um, and Roger Kroll. And then I had Shorty Torres, who actually was commentating my fight, um, but he was with me from the first day we arrived. The rest of the coaches didn't arrive till Thursday or Friday, so Shorty was my coach all week long. And then I also had Yuli Diaz, and, and Yuli had just the week before scored the fastest KO in combat sports history with three seconds at bare knuckle FC. Oh. So not just in bare knuckle fighting, not just in, in boxing, in all combat sports, he has the fastest wow. knockout. So he was just coming off that. He had been one of my main training partners. Um, so he was in the corner along with Jay-Z and I actually brought in Roger. Then I, I brought in a guy by the name of Luke House um, Luke was my training partner up in Maine when I took in September when I took a group of uh, veterans uh, bear hunting. He was the brother. His his brother Joel House was a sergeant in Iraq who was killed, blown up by an wow. IED, and his family started something called House in the Woods. And a hero has worked with House in the Woods uh, several you know years in a row now, where we take veterans up to their uh, lodge and participate in their programming of taking vets bear hunting. So, great example of two organizations collaborating to accomplish the mission. When I got there, you know, I was there for a week, and I still had to train. Mm-hmm. And Luke was a, um, he's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and he wrestled in high school. Oh, wow. And, you know, he could kind of hold pads. So, I was able to get my work in. And to say thank you, I invited him to come down to the fight. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. That's super cool. And so, cool. he walked out with us, and... 
it was awesome. And he was in the corner and, you know, fortunately I didn't have to rely on, on Luke to give me any corner advice, <laughs> but, uh, but it was awesome having him, you know, yeah. I mean, and he was kind of, and I, I got walked out actually by a Lieutenant commander from the Coast Guard and a Lieutenant Colonel, uh, from the Marine Corps who wow. were, um, the defense, defense attaches at the embassy. And, um, but I remember as we were getting ready to walk out and I put this in a post, I had the the colors, you know, the American flag and then the Marine Corps flag tied together and over my shoulders. And as we were getting ready to to go through the th threshold when they were getting ready to play the music, that was me stepping past the LOD. Past the line of departure and it was, you know, it was time to go to war. And the I was so calm. The switch for me though was at that moment. That was like, okay, now it's time to go to work. But I was still super calm. You didn't feel pulse rate jump, no nothing. dry mouth, no nothing, nothing, nothing palms, nothing. Uh, tingling, no visual disturbances. I was completely in stasis. Just super, That's cool. super calm and relaxed. The only change occurred when we got into the cage and my corners were outside and I could hear them talking to me. And... The commentator or the announcer, ring announcer, is, you know, okay, you know, here we go for five rounds. And first of all, I look back at the corner and I say, I hope somebody please explain to this guy that it's only three rounds. We're not going five. <laughs> I don't know where he came up with that, but. Oh, main event, five rounds. It was never designed to be five <laughs> rounds. And I guarantee you, it wasn't going to go five. Oh, that's awesome. But, you know, in, in that moment, and the door shut, and, and even the announcer had stepped out at this point, and it was just the referee, my opponent, and myself. I mentioned this to you before. I've never felt more alone. Yeah, that's interesting. But I was also supremely calm. It, it, it's an interesting thing to... But the dichotomy of that is profound. If you think about here, I had all these people that had prepared me you know, to go do battle, and my safety blanket in, in them had been ripped away, right? Even though they were just literally outside the fence. But it just felt like I was all alone. But because we had done so much work and I had gone through so much adversity for that moment to occur, even though I was, like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, it was almost like it, it could have been crushing, the, the weight of being alone. Like, it really was. Like, I could feel it. But I was also just so calm because of all that hard work, man. Like, I just, even though I, I felt alone, I was like, man, this is, this is going to be an epic experience. This is my time for this experience. And it's going to, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen right now. And that's okay. Well, what's fascinating to me is when, you know, when you... Look at that physique. Yeah, chiseled. Yeah. I mean... But by the way, look, I'm freshly shorn. Yeah. Oh, I, I see that. I, I see you. Uh, you're nicely shaved there. You can see, you know, you can see that look on your face that, you know, this is. There, there is no turning back. Yeah. 
And and that was the LLD, man. Like you know, I mean, I knew we had we'd gone past the breach. Yeah, past the breach point, and we we were gonna fight. So the 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 metaphor, obviously, maybe not obviously, is you know when the cage door closes, and and you're on the line, everything's on the line, right? What do you tell yourself in that moment, right? Regardless yeah. of I mean, obviously, you know, you, you want a successful outcome for pride reasons. You want a successful outcome for ego reasons. You want a successful outcome uh, to, you know, make the, your team proud, to make your family proud and all that. But really, what, what, is, what is going on in Lex's head as he announces you and then right before and then when that bell goes? I'm ready. Okay. That, uh, truly, I think that's Simplify, why I was so calm. Yeah. I just knew I had I'd done the work. I don't think I would have been in that that mental state or that emotional state had I not put in really an excruciatingly tough camp. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I I I, I can't. <laughs> there's no way to to explain how tough that camp was, other than oh. to go back and watch all the videos and see how much pain I'm, I'm physically in. I told our camera guys, I said, listen, I'm never going to be upset if you catch me in a vulnerable moment. If you catch me getting my ass kicked, if you catch me crying, because I know me, like I'm yeah, an emotional yeah. guy. I knew I was going to cry at some point. Absolutely. I said, I'll never be upset. I will only be upset if you don't catch those Yeah, moments. yeah, because that's what this is about. I, it, for me, it was all about truth. Like, it's so easy for everybody to go in, like someone in my position who understands the media and understands how to tell a story, right? I could have manipulated Everything. that experience and, and made it look like a big puff piece where I'm like, holy shit, this 49-year-old dude can go fight Brock Lesnar. Well, like, I, you, I, I watched the... <laughs> I watched the Tyson Roy mm -hmm. Jones fight last Friday and I caught some of the YouTube fighter kid and yeah. he gets out and he says, I'm ready for Conor McGregor. And then Tyson gets out and he says, I'm ready to take on Holofield right. and let's do this league. And you're just like, no, nah, not so much. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, but with you through the whole thing, I, I just, there's such a, like you said, there's a genuineness that's affiliated with this story. I think had I put out a puff piece that made me look phenomenal, people would have known that it would. They would have seen through it. They would have said, you know what, this isn't authentic. This is fabricated. There's no way a 49-year-old guy can, can on a sustained basis look this good, mm -hmm. right? I have moments for sure where I looked good and I executed the game plan and, you know, it was at the beginning of a round and I was fresh. Like, I had moments, but the reality is the moments were far greater where I was in extremis, where I was breaking close to the point of being totally broken. Those were much greater in number. So I had to show that. Well, that's the truth. It is 100% the truth. That's the truth of life. Yeah. Life is suffering. And that's why I'm so proud of, of, I'm not proud that I got the win. I'm proud of the journey that I went on and the story that my team and I have told and, and my partners with the UFC that we've told, this really honest human story. Because I think that's the benefit is people see it and go, oh my God, this was really hard. And he still went out and, and persevered and, and then prevailed. And 
is there something that I can do, right? Going back to what is it something that an individual, like a veteran who sees this, or really anybody, right, you know, sees this and says, okay, I'm not ready to do that, but maybe there's a corollary in my life that I can do that will help me. And to me, that's the win, man. Like if, if, if somebody sees it and, and says, this is real, it's authentic, maybe I can benefit from it and do something similar. And, and more importantly, the veteran sees it and realizes that they're loved, that people care about them. To me, like that's the big thing. You, know, you saw before anybody else has seen the last, you know, the episode, the Breaking Lex final episode that's going to come out here in the next, you know, day or so. Mm-hmm. And I summarized the entire experience, this 10-week, really year-long journey by talking about how profoundly powerful love is. Amen. And that if a veteran is in a place in that darkness, you and I both have personally been there. We know many people who have been there and not come back. If somebody like that can realize that they're loved and not go down that that unchangeable path, right? Then that's the real victory that's had, and so that's oh, why I'm, that's why I'm so proud amen. of this because I think there's a possibility that someone will see it and say, "I'm not going to do that today." There's no doubt in my mind that somebody's going to every every. I don't know anybody who's able to 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 walk to understand who understands the power of of the, the narrative, the power of of media, the power of promotion. I mean, you're, that's what your job is. You're a promoter. And you've also been uh, an agent, which is essentially very similar to that. You're promoting someone's career in this fight game. And as everybody knows, the fight game is filled with great stories and not so great stories. They and call it the hurt business for they, a reason. They, they call and it the hurt business. And it's not just the scars that you get to no, come associated with. It, it. It's it's all of the, the aspects of people's interpretations of the fight world and you know but the allure of watching people demolish one another but yet you've somehow taken this this combat sport right Mm -hmm. this this moment of of the ultimate aggression the ultimate uh, distinguishing characteristic of combat a one-on-one brawl to the end, right? It is the epitome of masculinity. It is the epitome of conflict. It is the epitome of, of the primal instinct in, in, in our, in the human experience. But yet you weave this profoundly emotional story of resilience and determination and perseverance and, and, and at its epitome love into it. Why? Why, 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 why not allow yourself to, to uh, gain the emotional stature of, wow, I'm really cool and I'm doing some cool things. This is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to be a role model to my children, right? The one thing you, I say it throughout the course of the, the four video series, I, they catch me talking to my kids a lot and I tell them repeatedly after a really hard evolution, you know, I tell them, girls, the one lesson daddy will give you is to always do the hard thing. It will be so much more rewarding than if you take the easy path. 
You'll learn so much more about yourself if you do the hard things always. And so in the, the, the last episode, I'm actually getting, you know, this giant fish hook, the guy's stitching my head up as I'm telling my kid, like, oh, do the hard thing. You I know? mean, I, I teared up watching uh, it, man, because I know, you know, you, one, I know you, I know how much you love your children. I know uh, how wonderful they are. I know how difficult, uh, you know, this has been for them as well, too. And, and but, you know, to, to put them, to put that lesson at the core of, of this experience I mean, that's genuine. That's yeah. true. And that's I mean, that, that, that to me, I mean, it really had to be, this experience had to be honest. It had to be. So I had to show the pain and the suffering that any person my age who would do any physical endeavor would go through, let alone having to fight. I fought for 10 weeks against some of the best fighters in the world. That's not an understatement. <laughs> no. And not only did I fight against them, I got my ass kicked by them. <laughs> so it was... Again, like I could have made this puff piece. I could have made it, but it just wouldn't be authentic. And then the message that I, the messages that I really cared about would never have gotten through because people would have been too caught up in this is bullshit. Yeah. You know, but people let their guard down when they see me being vulnerable. Yeah. And then they're willing to be receptive to the message that I wanted to convey. Yeah. You know, so again, all that was by design, man. Like at the end of the day, I wanted to know that I got to the, basically, I want to know that I climbed Mount Everest, stood on the top of Mount Everest and said, veterans killing themselves is bullshit. Right. It has to end. We as a society can do something about it. And so for me, allowing myself to be vulnerable, showing my weakness, showing my frailty, showing me being on the verge of quitting, which is something that could never happen. But I was fucking close, bro. Yeah. I'm like, it would be a lie to say that I wasn't. If I didn't show all of those things, I never could have climbed Mount Everest and I never could have yelled at the top of my lungs, no more. But because I did, I was able to. So now it's not an exaggeration to say that millions of people have heard this message. And maybe that saves one life. Maybe it saves a thousand lives. I don't know. But if it saves one life, it was absolutely worth it if my kids look at me and say daddy taught me a lesson to always do the hard things it was absolutely worth it i'll go back and do it again if i can accomplish those same things now i you know i'm gonna do it in a different way but it just it those things wouldn't have happened had i not been authentic you know well i'll tell you what it's had a profound impact in, on me already i mean it's 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 inspired me to to get back in the fight to, to, to re-engage in, a, in, in taking hold of my, my, own, my own life in a way that is challenging again and to, mm-hmm. to not just kind of uh, rest on the, my laurels. So, I mean, you know, but on a deeper level, there's no doubt it's going gonna, it's gonna to inspire somebody in that moment with which you hope it to. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no doubt. So let's just take a, a real quick look at this. When these guys are going, they're both rock just scrapping. I tell you what, this is Marcus Sakic's robot. Oh, they're doing man. a good job. This is a heavyweight fight. Oh, one is bleeding. Electric man's on top. And now he's trying to throw ground and pound. Oh! Is it the next? Yeah. Let me go to the next one yeah. where we, we actually see. Oh, he's out. And there's a rear naked choke. And he's out. He's out. And there's a rear naked choke. And he's out. 
So the cool thing about that sequence, <laughs> other than me laying there laughing, that's what's happening. I am laughing. I am laughing because I finished a fight. Not only did I finish the fight, I, I, I submitted the guy. Not only did I submit him, I put him to sleep <laughs> using jujitsu. Never in a million years. The irony is, is endless. Yeah. In that one. And trust me, all of my training partners and coaches have all, it's not lost on them. But yeah, that's how I'm it happened. Sure. Um, what, is, what is the feeling in that feeling right there? What is the feeling? Because obviously. It's a combination of, it's the highest of highs. But I think it's the highest of highs for me personally because it was liberating. Yeah. I, I was, I knew now that chapter was done and I could go on to the next thing. I had invested so much time, energy, resources, thought to, you I mean, everything to, to make that moment possible. And I did it. You know, I got the storybook ending. And that's really, truly liberating to be able to then say, okay, now what's next, you know? Um, well, also to have this proven teaching component, this yeah. proven uh, story to then be able to share, to inspire other people to, to engage in their own fight, whatever yeah. their own fight plan becomes. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a big part of what I want to do is, is I want to use this. I've always had it in my mind that I would use this experience as a springboard to help other people in different ways. And one of those ways is obviously raising the awareness and the funds for, for a hero to combat veteran suicide. But I also wanted to use it as a positive teaching mechanism to say, listen, you can go out and do anything, man. Like, whatever you set your mind to, that's how powerful our mind is, that we can accomplish whatever you set your mind out to, even against all the odds. And the, the, the stack of odds that I was facing was, was, was monumental. High. But I still did the work, and I came out on top. Amen. You know? And so that's that's definitely something I'm, I'm looking at, kind of building out, you know, like what's going to be next for me and how I can affect more people. Because... Like, again, I was talking to my daughter Addison the other day, and we were talking about success. And, you know, listen, we're fortunate that we live in the United States. We're fortunate that we live in affluent areas and, and you know, we have nice homes and, you know, nice cars and, you know, all those things, those creature comforts. We're really fortunate. But I said, honey, you got to understand, that's not how daddy measures success. Hmm. I'm not defined by living in a million dollar house. I'm not defined by, you know, driving a badass truck. I'm not defined by being able to send my kids to anything that they want to do from an activity perspective. I'm defined by the people that I help. Amen. That is how I am defined. Amen. And so, you know, that's what I want to continue to do more of. Like that to me is going to be my success on a professional level will be, do I impact more people? That's awesome. Um, you, you know, I, I, there's no doubt my, you know, that that's going to continue. It's just who you are. It's part of your character. L let me ask you just real quick about, about the individual you fought mm -hmm. and, and what did you guys say to each other? Cause after the end, obviously you got up and acknowledged him. He acknowledged you. Sure. What was, what was exchanged in that moment? And, and what do you, what words do you have to say about him too? Sure. And what he, him taking the fight? Sure. So I I think a lot of people look at fight promotion a couple of ways. Some are Conor McGregor. 
and they just talk a ton of trash. It didn't make sense for me to do that. <laughs> I frankly was fortunate that I could find somebody that was willing because Justin Thornton was in a lose-lose proposition. If he beat me, well, I'm 49 years old. He should have beaten me with no experience. Literally, not even amateur experience. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. <laughs> Zip. Nada. Okay. Couple so, bar fights. So, yeah. And they didn't all go my no, way. I, that, that, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like probably, I don't know, 0 for 5 on those, you know? But, so he had nothing to gain. And he had a lot to lose. Because the flip side is, if he lost to a guy who was 49, a guy who had never taken a professional or amateur fight, what did that say about his career at that point in time? So the fact that he took the fight, and he's a guy who, who fought Walt Harris. He's a guy who fought Walt, uh, Wes Shivers. Uh, he fought a lot of high-level guys that are in the UFC or have been in the UFC. So he's fought real people. So for him to 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 fight me was a, a big gamble. So I'm, I've, And I've said it since the beginning. I am deeply honored that he shared the cage with me, and, and I'm very appreciative. I actually, as I was walking out, I didn't see him. He missed his flight, so I didn't see him at weigh-in. So I was denied of that that opportunity for the face-off, yeah. which I wanted, um, because I think that sets the stage for the battle, right? You know, you set, you know, we know that you set conditions uh, in the battle space prior to the battle beginning. Mm -hmm. So I, in my mind, I knew that that was going to be an important moment for me to set conditions to let this guy know, oh shit, I'm going to be in a fight tomorrow night. Well, he missed his flight, so he didn't weigh in till like five o'clock at night. I was like, I wasn't gonna go at that point. Like, I was already, you know, in the headspace of just making the transition, so it didn't make sense. So, as I was on my walkout, I stopped at the top and I looked at him, and I kind of gave him a head nod, and he looked at me and, and, and he reciprocated, and that was our first exchange. That's the wow. first time I saw him. And I wanted him to know that I appreciated him in that Wow, moment. that's cool. And, and, he, and he, he acknowledged it. You know, I mean, this is the, uh, you can, there's the unspoken that occurs Professional between. Professional yeah. yeah. And that's exactly what transpired between the two of us. And then after the fight, you know, I, I told him, I said, listen, man, I appreciate that you stepped up and took the fight. I, you know, I know it was a tough, you know, position for you to be in. And if you ever want to fight for me in Titan, I'll make it happen. And, you know, and he was like, listen, for an old dude, you hit hard. <laughs> really? He said that? Yeah. He's like, you hit really hard, bro. And, um, great white buffalo. And in the back of my mind, great I was like, great white buffalo. In the back of my mind, I was like, well, I'm not as good as I once was, but once I'm as good as I ever was. <laughs> Yeah. Line. man that's beautiful dude um, i'm a country song waiting to happen yeah dude. you are you, your whole life is right um so you know you you get home right obviously i i just remember hearing it in your voice when we got a chance to chat real briefly and um and what's funny i i didn't even know you had won i just wanted to call and tell you i loved you and say mm. i'm proud of you you know i didn't even know you won until later when i went and watched uh uh, the clips that people had posted at Fight Pass had posted, and 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 you've had a a, a week 
you know, you had Thanksgiving week, you came back right into Thanksgiving week. What was some of the reflections that you, uh, after you moved away from it and sat down and you were back with your kids, what are some of those reflection points now? I'm still processing it, to be honest. Um, I, I do know that there is a tremendous sense of fulfillment um, and accomplishment, but there's also the, did I do enough? And how can I do more? You know, I, I, I really do. First of all, it wouldn't be as impactful on a storytelling perspective and an awareness raising perspective if I go out and fight again and I do the same thing again because the novelty will be gone, right? Then it becomes self-serving. Okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so for me, truly, I'm telling you I'm never fighting again. But there is going to be other things that I can do. And, 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 and so that's going to help me to answer the question of have I done enough because I don't believe – until veterans stop killing themselves, I've not done enough. Right. Well, that's never going to end. I, I know, but neither will my journey. Awesome. And that's the point. Yeah. You know, I'll find the next thing. I'll find the next opportunity to raise awareness. All these crazy things that I do have and will continue to be in the furtherance of, of this mission. And when you've got a goal like that, that's so just absolutely daunting in its, in its scope and size, it's really fun. Because you, you just know you've got all these opportunities to do different things. And that's the way I view these. There's just opportunities, man. This was a great opportunity. I'm going to find the next one. I don't know what it's going to be yet. I can guarantee you it's not going to be the Leadville 100. That I do know. <laughs> that I do know because you're a crazy son of a bitch for even thinking about it. Oh, I love it, man. I, I <laughs> but I will find it, something really daunting and really cool that will afford me the opportunity to get on the mountaintop and yell and scream and raise awareness. Amen, brother. Thank you. Yes, sir. I mean, when when you listen to the man talk, you, you, <laughs> it's crazy, man. How many people do you actually know that have the kind of heart that Lex McMahon has? Not only the heart, but the courage to live with that kind of heart, right? To get into a fight at 49 years old with a professional fighter, Justin Thornton. Again, thank you, Justin, for for doing that, man. It's such an honor that you were able to uh, help Lex with his mission of raising money um, for A Hero, uh, an incredible organization. So uh, if you guys uh, heard that that interview and you're inspired and you're motivated, you know, head over to aherousa.org. That's aherousa.org. And uh, give a little contribution, man. Help them in their fight uh, to uh, end uh, veteran suicide. I mean, they're just doing great things out there. And as well as, you know, start giving Lex McMahon a follow on all his social media platforms, all on Twitter. And I know he's on Instagram and Facebook. And, uh, you know, go and check out Titan FC. If you're in the South Florida area, check out one of their events. They're, they're a lot of fun, a lot of good times. Or go over to UFC Fight Pass where you can find all their content there, all their fights there, all of, uh, and, and they're these really just beautiful, beautiful videos, um, of Lex and in, in the series that he was talking about in the, in the interview called breaking Lex, um, and these beautiful, beautiful interviews. And for me, the most powerful one is, is, uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the last video where he, after his fight, he's talking to his children and he's saying, listen, do the hard work, girls do the hard work. Now, I hope you took away that lesson, too. 
that there is no time in your life where you stop trying your best. There is no time in your life where you don't do the hard work, where you don't challenge yourself to really understand and explore what your limits are, what your limitations, whether self-imposed or the actual limitations that you feel physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. This is what this show is about. So I'm, I'm begging you, if you've been stagnant, if you've been complacent, if you haven't done anything that invokes a profound sense of servitude for others, then think about doing something like this. Maybe not get into a fight per se. Maybe that's not the, the smartest or the safest, or maybe it is for you. Maybe you feel like you need to get hit in the face. Because uh, there's a, a beautiful uh, quote by Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until you get hit in a blanking face, right? <laughs> Well, nothing better to uh, reallocate your perspective on life than uh, getting in a little brawl, for sure. It, it tunes you up in a safe way, right? In a ring with, uh, with people that are trained that can help you through it. Um, uh, so think about that. Think about it, especially in these tough times. What are the things that are going to get you through? What is the inspiration that you're looking to to help uh, get you back in your fight of life? Because that's really what I'm begging, I'm hoping, I'm praying that, that you felt that, that you understood that, that you heard that in Lex's words, that the fight of your life never ends. It's always there. When it's, when it's really good, you're just in between rounds. And when it's bad, like it is right now for many of us, many of us around the country suffering in all the different ways that we've been suffering from lockdowns, uh, to mass mandates, to uh, no kids in school, to you're losing your job, man. I watch these poor uh, restaurateurs around the, uh, these areas that are just destroying small businesses and it just pains my heart. Let me tell you, you're in the fight of your life. So get back up, get in that corner, get yourself a dose of water and get back in the fight. Fight for everything that you have, right? Because it's in that fight that you understand who you are. You understand where your salvation comes from. And you understand and teach those that are looking to you for the inspiration on what matters most in life. Man. If you want to know more about uh, the show, head on over to TeamFrogLogic.com. If you want to buy some Christmas gifts, you can find all our swag there, all our merchandise, hats, shirts, books, all kinds of things. If you want to sign up, uh, for the next Embrace Fear training course, which will be uh, probably mid to end month of, J of January. And check that out at Frog Logic Institute. If you want to follow me, I'm at Parlor at Team Frog Logic. Uh, I'm on YouTube. And then you can find me on Rumble here probably starting next week. I'm going to post a bunch, uh, start posting all my videos up there. Oh, also, if you live in the South Florida area and you want some tactical training uh, with you and your family, a lot of new gun owners out there. Uh, don't hesitate. Send us an email. Uh, I'm going to start doing private uh, lessons and shooting. Uh, I was an instructor in the SEAL teams. I was an instructor at Blackwater. I was an instructor in the agency. I'm a curriculum specialist. I've taught uh, uh, hundreds of commandos. I've taught hundreds of civilians, uh, men, women, teenagers, children, you name it. I've taught it. Uh, and I'm going to start teaching people how to uh, safely, effectively, and offensively uh, utilize the firearms that you've recently purchased. So uh, head over to Team Frog Logic, send, send me a contact information, uh, and we'll uh, figure out uh, how to get you some great tactical training. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening, man. Thank you all so much. 
Uh, it's just such an honor and a privilege that you think somewhere, somehow that I offer something beneficial to you. I really appreciate that. Um, I want to thank, uh, obviously, uh, my family. I want to thank John. I want to thank the girls. I want to thank my parents. I want to thank her parents. Man, I want to thank everybody in my family. I want to thank my closest friends. Most especially, I want to thank Lex McMahon. Because Lex, man, what you what you give me is 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 greater than any 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 set of words that I can conjure up to try and efficiently describe the caliber of human being that you are and the honor with which you live your life. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and tell you how much I, I appreciate you, admire you, and most especially how much I love you. Godspeed, brother.